received a mission news update in the mail this past week. And on the back was a picture of a man named uh, Lazaro Rojas standing over a widow crouched down in the village of Cacao, Peru. And he was uh, talking to her, and the little caption beside the picture said that he was comforting the widow and helping her place her trust in Christ. Comforting the widow. Now here in verse 25, by the way, if, if you have a Bible, I think it would help if you went ahead and opened it to Hebrews 10 now, because uh, the verse numbers are not in the hymnal, and I'm going to be pointing you to verse numbers. Um, that's part of my philosophy of preaching. I want you to look at the very phrases from which I get my ideas. So I'll tell you to look at the first half of 25 or the second half of 25. And that's because I don't want you to take my word for anything. But rather, judge by the written word of God. So, if you have a Bible, open it. If you keep looking at the hymnal, fine, you'll, you'll make out as you poke around in there where these verses are. But here in verse 25 now, it says, Encouraging one another, I'm using the RSV, Encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. That word encouraging can be translated comforting. So what that Lazaro Rojas was doing to this widow there in Peru was what this verse says. He was trying to help her keep faith in Christ after the loss of her husband. So I'm going to talk about in a moment. He was encouraging. He was comforting. He was using his mouth as a fountain of life to feed heal and protect her from unbelief. Now probably the reason here at the end of verse 25 that it says, and all the more as the day draws near, in other words, encourage one another and do it more and more, increase the intensity and frequency of your encouragement as the day, that is the day of Christ, the day of judgment, the end of the world comes. The reason probably that we are to increase the frequency and the urgency of our mutual encouragement as the day draws near is because Jesus said, as the day draws near, stress increases, temptations will increase, evil will increase. Very specifically, Jesus said, uh, Matthew 24, 12, in those days, wickedness will increase and the love of many will grow cold. The love of many will grow cold. And you see right here in verse 24, it's talking about stirring one another up to love. And so the reason we meet together more as the, as the, as the day draws near is because as the day draws near, the, the, uh, the glacier, the satanic glacier of cooling off love in churches is going to move with tremendous force through society. And small groups or getting together to encourage one another and stir one another up to keep love hot is God designed to carve out a place in this glacier where the fire of the kingdom can burn. I have an image of the end of the age of a lot of evil increase, but not all the righteousness disappearing by any means. In fact, I, I envision revivals happening and, and the ice just melting in segments of society and moving back 
And who knows whether Minneapolis might be one of the places where the fire falls in revival and the glacier of cooling love is just melted and pushed back and there's this big circle of righteousness and revival in Minneapolis. And other cities may not experience it and it'll probably depend on where God's people are on their face pleading night and day for his cause to be vindicated. Now a lot of us have the idea, I fall into this, we all fall into it, I think, that when times look rosy, we can get along with a few casual friends and a boombox and a couple of TV programs. Indeed. And it's a dream world. It's a dream world. We know it is. Paul said, buy up the time because the days are evil. It's a dream world if we think that all's well and that we can just get along with a few casual friends. We really don't need any close, encouraging, caring, loving people in our lives who can guide us, encourage us, comfort us, rebuke us, call us to account. That's really not necessary because times are okay. Well, the thunder clapped last night and I was thinking about this part of my message and it just hit me like thunder. When the adrenaline starts flowing because there's danger, people become precious. When the price of faith goes up, the preciousness of people goes up. Back to Peru for a minute. Lazaro Rojas, standing there in Cacao, this little village where on February 28th of this year, the Shining Path, which is the Marxist terrorist organization in Peru, filled up two cars with gunmen and sent them into this village. And at 11 o'clock at night, the evangelical church was having an all-night prayer vigil. These two cars pulled up, the gunmen got out, stormed the doors, opened fire, killed the pastor and his wife, badly burned their daughter and killed 30 people piled their bodies in the middle of the church, put gasoline on them, and burned them, and left town. Lozaro Rojas, standing over this widow, and the text in, in the picture there that he was using to comfort, encourage her, was, for your sake, we are being killed all day long. We are counted like sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. The deacons that were left got together and they made a decision. And the decision was, we will now have services from 6 to 8 in the morning. And one of the deacons who had lost his wife in the slaughter was Isaiah Guamani. And he was appointed by the others to be the new pastor. And suddenly the church had become a small group. And, and it was precious. Can you imagine? There were about a dozen orphans. Can you imagine the intensity of that first morning meeting as they sang together? Can you imagine what they meant to each other and what they had to mean to each other? if they were to survive and keep meeting at the risk that it would happen again. 
I tell you, when you think that the days are evil, and you know, when you come back here to Minneapolis, if your eyes are open and you're willing to engage, we are in the same warfare. It's the same warfare. Jesus said, as the day draws near, the love of many will grow cold and they'll just leave the church rather than take those kinds of risks from six to eight in the morning. The warfare is the same here as it was there. And Jesus says, the love of many will grow cold. And he gave us an antidote. I want to read verse 24 and 25 very carefully and slowly with you so that you see God's counsel and antidote to this cooling of love. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love. That is how to keep love from going cold. See, let us consider how to heat each other's love, how to stir it up. And to good works. That's the expression of love. How? How is this to happen? What is God's antidote? Next verse. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So this is the biblical foundation of small groups at Bethlehem. If you were to ask me, where is your biblical rationale and biblical foundation for a system, a network of 60 to 70 small groups at Bethlehem that meet regularly in a group of a dozen or so people? I would say Hebrews 10, 23 to 25, because right here you have a very clear statement that it is a design of God that we meet in order to stir each other up to love. Now, just think of this for a minute. What how important is love in the Bible? I just thought of the ways love is described. It's described as the premier fruit of the Holy Spirit. Fruit of the Holy Spirit is love right off the bat. It's described as the great commandment and the second commandment. It's described in uh, Romans 13 as if you do it, you fulfill the whole law. That's how important love is. Or it's also called the greatest of these three, faith, hope and love. So love is a simply stunning reality in the Bible. It is so important and it just struck me and maybe it'll strike you as amazing right now that God as it were, submits that reality to the social dynamics of the local church and lets it rise and fall with your willingness to stir it up in each other. I just think that's amazing. God doesn't say, now this is so important, I'll take care of it totally by myself. You won't be included. I will vertically zap everybody with love power and they will be hot for me. I'm not going to do it that way. Rather, he says, you meet together and don't you neglect to meet together and you encourage each other and you stir each other up to love because at the end of this age, the love of many is going to grow cold. Do you see what that means? How incredibly important that makes small groups in the life of the church. We really need to let this grip us. The love of many is going to grow cold. And our God, our counselor, has counseled us 
how not to have a heart that grows cold. Namely, exhort one another and all the more. Encourage one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. In order to stir one another up to love and good works. And as a means to that end, don't neglect to meet together. Now, I grew up, probably heard a half a dozen sermons on this verse. Don't neglect the assembling of yourselves together. It was always applied in my memory to Sunday morning worship service. Always applied. And it was always used, you all come to church. I grew up in South Carolina. You all come to church. Okay? God's will is that you come to church. says so right here in Hebrews 10.25. Now, I will accept those sermons as a legitimate implication of the text. That's not the main point of the text, however. And you can see that it's not the main point of the text because right here in verse 25, you see the phrase, one another. One another. What that means is this text does not primarily mean come to hear a sermon. Now, I am doing what this text says. At least that's my longing that when I preach, people are encouraged, made strong, stirred up to love and good works. But that's not what this text is saying. It's not saying go hear a sermon. It's saying meet together and do something to each other. Now, I don't mean that the small group is the only place that can happen. You can light the fire of somebody's love with the kindling of encouragement and the match of the Holy Spirit anytime you communicate with each other. On the telephone, passing in the hall, up in the Sunday school, here after the service, the way you pray and sing next to somebody. You, you can do it in all those ways. What this text is saying, however, is... This matter of stirring up love is not to be left to chance. Therefore, don't neglect to meet. Don't neglect to meet, 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 meet. Plan the meeting for the encouragement for the sake of love. That's what the text says. It doesn't say come to church. It says meet with each other. Meet with each other for the specific purpose of stirring up love and keeping it from growing cold. So small groups, in my judgment, are very high on God's agenda for his church. So if we just took these two verses, 24 and 25, they would provide a biblical rationale for small groups in those three steps. Let me just summarize them again. Number one. Small groups are meant to provide a place where Christians are stirred up to love. Two, the way you stir people up to love is by encouraging each other. And all the more as you see the day coming. And thirdly, the way you don't leave that to chance is by meeting. Don't neglect to meet. Like some people do, the text says. Isn't that amazing? Like some people do, or even in the habit of doing Now, we could just stop right there and the rationale would be sufficient. But, no, what kind of words, they're called encouragement or comfort here. What are those words that when they come out of my mouth in a small group will send a dozen people out more hot than cold? 
What is it? What kind of words are those? Well, the answer is verse 23, which says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. So what he's saying is God has made promises about you and your future and how he'll take care of you. He is the kind of God who always keeps his promises. He never fails. He is faithful. And therefore, hold on to hope. Be a hoping, hope-filled person. Now, we could draw out the connection between that hope and those promises and that God and love by simply noticing the connection between verses 23 and 24. It flows right from be a hopeful person based on the promise keeping God and with that stir each other up to love. But rather than bank on that for a minute, let me take you to the end of the chapter and show you an illustration from the life of this church of how that happened in verses 34 and 35. Here's an illustration of how hope based on a promise of God, based on the character of his faithfulness, produced love that was hot and risky. Let's read verse 34. You had compassion on the prisoners. Now, there's the love. There's the good works that got stirred up in a small group. That church had met together in some kind of small setting. They had said, look, some of our people are in prison. They need food. They need medical attention. We're going to go identify with them. It's risky business, but we're going. And you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property. Now, the importance of that little phrase, joyfully, you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property. The importance of that is to show that the love they were acting out had been stirred up rather than pulled out. Okay? You gotta love people. Love them. Because they were doing it joyfully. If you do something joyfully, you haven't been lassoed into it. So they hit, that's what stirred up means. What we want to do in small groups, what I want to do in preaching is not lasso people and jerk them into ministry, but light fires that make them so warmly loving inside that they can't help but go to the prison. Or stop on the road like the Good Samaritan. Now, where did that come from? Where did that kind of love and joy come from? They were willing to let their goods be plundered as they looked back at their houses and maybe saw their furniture thrown into the street and fire set to their homes because they had been identified now with the Christians and they started singing songs. Well, here's where it came from. Just keep reading. Since you know that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. So what's the source of love? Hope. You see it? Where did this kind of risk-taking love come from? It came from them saying, yeah, but if we go down there to the people, they might... The night we, they might kill us. They might take our houses. They might throw us in jail. We might lose our job if we sit down on an abortion clinic step in Wichita or Fargo. We might spend nine months in jail 
And the way you go ahead is by thinking God promised that he would take care of me if I walk in love, that his riches would supply all my needs and that he would never leave me or forsake me. So I'm going to take care of me. Hope frees for love. Therefore, verse 35 says, do not. Therefore, throw away your confidence, which has great reward, which is exactly the same as verse 23 that says, hold fast to your hope without wavering, because God is a faithful promise keeping God. So what's crystal clear now from Hebrews 10 is that the freeing power to love comes from hope. And God will take care of us based on his character, that he is a faithful, promise-keeping God. Now, what's the answer to the question? What kind of words must come out of our mouths in our small groups in order to stir people up to love and good works? The answer is promises. The promises of God must come out of our mouth. The meat and potatoes of every small group is promises, promises, promises and reasons, stories from the Bible and from your life and from church history, stories that give people reason to believe they're going to come true. This is the kind of God we have. I have to have that from the staff. When I meet with the staff for three hours on Tuesday afternoon, that's one of my chief main small groups. And I need to hear coming out of their mouths in prayer and in devotions and in and around that setting. The reminder, John, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the earth on Tuesday as well as Sunday, brother. Buck up. If the hope is the freeing power of love, then the encouraging thing is to build hope with the promises of God. Let me close with an illustration, an example of how you might actually do this. And this is an illustration that is intended to do more than one thing, as you'll see. We have three clubs, children's clubs, that are not going to happen this Wednesday night if leaders don't come forth in the next three days. We have been laboring to find men and women all summer long. And it it ought not be the case in a church this size that our children are uh, such a low priority that it seems we can't find leaders for the clubs or nursery workers, by the way, for the moms group on Tuesday, I'm told. Here's the way you talk. You don't lasso people. It won't work. You might get them in the job for a few weeks, but it won't work in the long run. That's not pleasing to the Lord. You say, I'm going to use the word Jim. All you Jims, relax. I have nobody in mind. Uh, Jim, maybe you're standing on the porch after the small group. You said, Jim, I've been praying a lot about what I've been hearing at church about the need for workers in the kids club. 
And uh, you've come to my mind several times as I've prayed. And I see in you some gifts and some personality traits that little guys would really take to, I think. They would really like you, I think. I think you could have a tremendous impact on the little boys in our church. And uh, I know you've never done this before. And if you're like me, you've got a lot of misgivings and you wonder whether you'll do it right. You don't have any training in this. But do you remember the last three sermons that Pastor John preached? I was thinking about these sermons and trying to just sum them up. And they were just all so full of promises that when I thought about them, I thought about them in relationship to you. I think it was three weeks ago he preached about the eyes of the Lord running to and fro throughout the earth, seeking to find people to show off for his strength, people whose heart is whole towards him. I think God would do that in your life, Jim. I think God's eyes would just fasten on you on Wednesday night and his omnipotent power would be displayed on your behalf. And then a couple of weeks ago, remember when he preached about how sometimes you do something and nobody recognizes it and you feel pity for yourself. And yet the promise is that he who sees in secret, God who sees in secret will reward you. If you labor and nobody thanks you. God will see it and write it down and give you reward someday. Or he talked about people who criticize you and you feel hmm, you feel wrongly put on. And remember how you reminded the promise that that uh, vengeance is mine. I will repay. And all you need to do is just roll on to the Lord and let the just judge judge. And you can relax and you don't have to bear all that. He'll do that for you. If anybody criticizes the way you do this kids ministry, he can handle that. And then it was last Sunday he talked about the mouth and uh, the mouth being a fountain of life. Those guys need your mouth. Remember how he said that uh, out of the mouth comes uh, food and healing and protection. And then he stood here at the at the uh, communion table and he said that the basis of that coming out of our mouths is because Jesus is our food and Jesus is our physician and Jesus is our fortress. Jesus is going to do that for you, Jim. Look, I, I, I just want you to pray about this now. End of conversation. If you want to shorten it down, (laughs) you can just say, Jim, my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Give, Give it a try. In fact, maybe we should do it together. I would like you to take your worship folder and inside of it, I hope each of you has this list of small groups. And inside the list of small groups is a small group vision response card. And what we want to do as as a closing act of dedication in this service is take a moment of silence and pray about where we are being called in small groups. Now, there is something for everybody to fill out on here. If you're already in a group, you can make that plain. If you do not feel led to a group, you're struggling with this whole issue. It's just a new thing for you. You've never done this before. And it's not the time. There's a place for you to check for that. If you want to be trained as a leader, there's a place to check for that and so on. So in the next few minutes, I want us to fill this out and then we're going to have the ushers come and we're going to pass them in. Here are the open groups. And if one there doesn't suit you, then maybe you should start a new one. 
Be the leader of it. Daniel here is one of our main coordinating people and trainers for this ministry. And I want you to feel, I hope you can all after this message, give an account of the relationship between small groups and ministries of love. So what we have out there in the foyer, in the commons and the hallway that leads through are a number of booths with ministries. And if you sense God nudging you towards any kind of ministry, you could talk to somebody along those booths. And let me just hold up two other things that are so exciting to me. At a table over in that corner of the commons for each family, one per family, we have the 1991 and 92 ministries directory. This brought tears to my eyes when I looked through it for the first time last night because it was just finished on Friday. And I saw the number of things happening at this church. Many of them I have absolutely nothing to do with except maybe to stoke a little fire on Sunday morning that might help keep some people going. It's just glorious to see what God's people are doing. And David Livingston has also labored to categorize those ministries according to spiritual gifts at the end, which is something we've never done before. So get one of these for your family and at least make it a cause of celebration and prayer in your life. And this is the all church year long calendar. So in here you find everything that the whole church is called to do through next May. And then you can add to it as the monthly calendars with a lot more detail comes out each month. Now, what I want to do is take about a minute in silence and have you pray, have you fill out these cards. If it's premature for you and you need to ask some questions and get more information, the small group booth. Daniel will be there is right out there in the hallway and you go there and you can turn in your card there if you need to or get more information. But let me just sit down and we'll take a moment of silence while we pray, dedicate ourselves, seek the Lord's will and you fill out those cards if you can. If God is touching any of you with regard to specific ministries that he might be calling you to, especially these Wednesday night clubs or nursery work on Tuesday, those tables are a great place to go. And then it occurs to me that uh, some of you here at the end of the service might be wrestling with obstacles to ministry in your life. Physical problems, emotional things, family problems. Our ministry prayer teams are going to be standing here at the front. They would love to just pray the burden off of you uh, and free you. Pray hope right down onto you at the end of the service. So if you feel the need for personal hands-on prayer this morning, feel free to linger after the service and pray with one of our teams. Why don't you turn to hymn number 710, 13, which is 710, 710. We're going to sing the first two verses and I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And after I pray, we'll just go right into our, our hymn. Let's pray. Oh, no, I'm forgetting, I'm forgetting that we want to take these up. Can you, ushers, come, come to the front? I'm sorry. Um, if, if you have those cards filled out, would you pass them to an aisle right now and let one of the ushers pick them up? I neglected to do that. We want to get as many of those as we can to begin to tabulate them uh, right away. If it's premature for you, like I said, you can go to the table out there 
and talk to Daniel, hand him the card there. Or it may be that it would take you some talking it over with your spouse or friends this week before you can commit yourself. But don't let it out of your mind because they have a tremendous role to play. The stories that could be told of our people and the small groups that have met their needs in these past years in the midst of crisis, holding people back from sin, helping them find jobs, getting them through financial pinches, helping them through family crises. It's just been wonderful. It's a great relief to me because I can't begin to do all the pastoral care for a thousand people that needs to be done. Let's pray. Oh, Father in heaven, we dedicate ourselves to obedience now, not as though there were a lasso around our neck, but as though there were a quiet, growing fire of love in our hearts, based on hope, based on promises, based on God. And I just pray, Father, that you would speak those promises powerfully, that you would kindle that hope and that that hope would beget that love and that our people would be impelled freely and joyfully into ministry of every kind this year. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.